0: Welcome to the Time Shifters Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters Podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at TimeShiftersPod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to TimeShiftersPodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on PodChaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on TimeshiftersPodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter Studio and start the show. Hey folks, Christopher here, just jumping in before the show actually starts to give you a little, bit of a, a little bit of a heads up. Tom and I were joined by Cameron, who hosts the Jacked Up Review Show podcast, and unfortunately because of the timing in which we got him, he was, I think, at work, and so he had to be uh, on a phone uh, calling in to us, and so the audio quality is not as awesome as I would like it to be. And we were uh, stuck with having to record just off of Skype. And Skype, of course, was doing its thing and being a little uh, sketchy here and there. But I think for the most part, it cleaned up okay. Uh, we, you, know, you, you be the judge. Uh, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. It was a fun conversation, and we'll definitely have Cameron back on and hopefully in a better situation. So uh, the quality of the audio will be a lot better, and you can, you can hear him, and we can have a little bit more detailed and longer conversation about something. So anyway, on with the show. Everyone, and welcome back to Time Shifters. This is Christopher here, and I am, of course, here with Tom. Tom, how you been? Good. I'm excited
1: for this one.
0: No, I'm excited for this one because I'm excited to talk about the film, and I'm excited to talk to our guest here that we've got on the phone with us here. We've got Cameron from the Jacked Up Review Show podcast. Cameron, welcome to Time Shifters.
2: Alrighty, thank you for letting me hop on here. So, J-U-R-S podcast uh, just reviews every kind of thing. What are the top ten pizza joints? <laughs> what are the best uh, movies about this formula or genre? And we, of course, talk about our favorite roles of certain actors and filmmakers, and just a very casual roundtable. Been doing it since uh, last year, so
0: <laughs> oh, so relatively new. That's-
2: yeah, I got inspired. Long story short, I had been on a few other podcasts, and I just saw the amount of work that went into it, and it's like, okay, so I'm gonna have to record this all ahead of time. I'll get some buddies on here who are kind of into wacky movies, cult formulas and definitely mystery science theater kind of stuff
0: <laughs> i've been listening to a few of your shows uh and uh, yeah you've got you've had some really great guests and some really fun topics and you're right you're all over the place as far as what you talk about it really does come down to it's just like a bunch of people who get together and then a conversation starts up and it just so happens someone's got a microphone
2: Yes, and captured it, and it's like... Uh, there were some that I was like, yeah, there's no way we're going to keep anyone's interest. we got to discuss this down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we uh, don't know what that's like at all. No. Or do we?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, what got you into Killdozer and other gloriously bad movies?
0: Oh, well, for me, I... Well, I think Tom and I both, we kind of just grew up watching, we've talked about it on the show, our local UHF station in town used to air anything they could get their hands on, on Saturday and Sunday afternoons (laughs) and stuff. And I I think we just, you know, we were children of the television,
1: (laughs) and I think that's what just instilled our love for it. The channel we were speaking of uh, could have been a feeder for Mystery Science Theater in Minnesota at the time, (laughs) uh, it if uh, they didn't have their own version. Right. Perfect.
2: (laughs) Or you and Joe Bob's or Elvira as well?
0: You know, I unfortunately never really, um, the the whole horror host thing, um, I, I just, I was in this little null period. Our town really didn't have one. And at the time that it was like, I was at the right age for it. I didn't know about it or we didn't have one on the, on TV anywhere. So never got into the horror host thing. I didn't have cable uh, for most of my life growing up. So I couldn't even go on to any of the other networks that might have uh, carried one. I mean, we had one in the 70s. That was the cool ghoul that would host a late night stuff. But I was too young for that kind of. Yeah, that's the
1: guy I was uh, trying. That I was remembering. I was trying to remember if he actually had a movie-themed show, or he was just the cool ghoul.
0: Yeah, most of my memory of him is doing the commercials later on the, you know, much later in his career. Right. It
2: really does get complicated looking a lot of those guys up because they either don't have any IMDb page for the program or, like you say, it was just a bumper in between programs and they were just the face of the network you know, or cable station.
0: Yeah, I think he was just kind of the host. I think he would introduce the show and maybe he would come in. He wasn't like the Elvira or anyone that would like comment on the film. He was just yeah, the bumpers in between commercial breaks and stuff like that. And also, unfortunately, because his stuff was done live, nothing exists of any of his actual programs. So the only time you see him is the occasional uh, someone recorded a commercial that he did for somebody's carpet barn or something like that. The Shrine Circus. I remember him doing the Shrine Circus commercials. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: There you go. So unless you work for the antenna channel station <laughs> you probably don't have a copy <laughs> exactly
0: i've got him on a t-shirt that's the closest i get to the cool ghoul here <laughs> yeah.
1: so cameron speak up with the uh, whatever theme or bent you're on at the time when you're doing your shifts
2: i i literally i don't roll the dice per se i pretty much just kind of weigh in on i get a lot of other people's take on it it's like what are you guys more familiar with i just show them a, a list of various actors and filmmakers so i did a a mixture of everything it's like hey how about we talk about this you know way options there then i asked some other listeners you know it's like should we talk more about food or music you know in the future and (laughs) music got outvoted outvoted (laughs) food so i was like okay let's talk about the best songs you know so you take a lot of inspiration where you can and then you just kind of see where everyone else is weighted in if you can't have a conversation about it for even an hour, then it's probably not going to be a good episode.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Uh,
2: And just what gels with you, you know, and and then just say, it is like, well, okay, I know that movie inside and out, but can I even do a takedown of it constructively or not? Or, and what am I, what any different am I going to do with the the review of said item? You know, it's like <laughs> I'm the billionth person to take this down. You know, I don't want to just hold it up and just read trivia off of Wikipedia and IMDb. I also want to just say, you know, here's what my personal experience being introduced to this. Here's a lesser-known story that I heard someone talk about in an interview, or better yet, here's what I just heard on the recent Blu-ray, you know, commentary track.
0: <laughs> yeah, excellent.
2: Uh, however, else you want to. Form your narrative, you know, and like you say, you can go about it any way as long as you're confident and you're not just kind of losing yourself saying, What the hell were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I was on a few different podcasts, and I kid you not, like, they, they these guys hated the movie so much, we just kept going off topic, and I'm like, uh, <gasps> I'm so bored right now, dude. <laughs> I was going to talk about the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And you guys, from what I can tell, you guys record quite a bit and post quite a few episodes. Um, I haven't quite figured out how your show actually works yet.
2: <laughs> so pretty much, yeah. I, I pretty, we pretty much just record all of my days off or whenever anyone's available. But, you know, if you record three to four episodes a week and, you know, you record all that ahead of time, stored ahead of time, you, you pretty much... I then decided, okay... We got this many people on wondering when their episode's going to post. So how about if we just do free? Uh, I'm just going to have to post three episodes a week. This is a better way to do it. <laughs> well, Everyone gets something.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah, Tom, you don't you don't see this. He, he added me to a, uh, a a group chat on Skype because I'm going to actually join them on an episode next week. And uh, it just seems like every day, hey, okay, there's going to be a call. There's going to be a call. I'm like, it just seems like a free for all. Whoever happens to be able to show up. <laughs> it just dials in.
2: <laughs> of that, and then it, there were others who so I was able to get to pledge that. And he's like, "Okay, you said you'd be here. Let's be here." <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I will. Uh, oh. I will be there. I think we're scheduled. Podcast re- by whim. Yeah, podcast by whim. I like it. That would actually be a really great show title too.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm trademarking that now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> On a whim. I was gonna say. I think uh, next week I'm gonna join your show and talk by the time this one airs by the time time shifters airs that show may actually have already aired we're going to be talking about the films of uh steven spielberg if i'm not mistaken (laughs) excellent yeah that should be a good time
2: oh yeah we covered the likes of ron howard dario argento brian de palma and just got into just kind of how some of these filmmakers were controversial. Some of them had more bad than good, but were still kind of considered, you know, great filmmakers in some capacity. And so it was just kind of a lot of fun, seeing which ones people could agree on or couldn't. I was able to get syndicated radio host Joe Gibbs, also known as the Man of a Thousand Voices, to basically conjure up a love letter to Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, but let, let's um at least let people know where they can find your show. And we'll remind everyone at the end of the show as well. But go ahead and tell them where, what's the best place that they can... Obviously, any podcast app, I'm assuming, you, you could be able to find you, right?
2: As many as I could. Yeah, Anchor, Spotify, iHeart. Uh, most of them should definitely carry this one. Um, more or less, uh, what especially what, what's great about these is, again, just... Uh, update on all the platforms instagram twitter and facebook so i mean someone's going to see it in some podcast group
0: <laughs> yeah exactly and i'll make sure there's a link in the show notes here so people will be able to find you real easy
2: okay i appreciate it my friend
0: let's take a break uh i'm gonna play a, a promo for another podcast um that's hey, that's a question do you guys have a promo i do
2: send it to you as
0: soon as i can (laughs) excellent good all right maybe we'll do his promo i'm gonna put his promo (laughs) in here right now so we'll have a promo for the jacked up review show all right and when we get back we are gonna talk about another mystery science theater unrift operation kid brother
2: i to see movies that don't suck. I would tell anybody outside the family what you're thinking of yet. I was not expecting that. After you've scrubbed all the floors in Hyrule, then we can talk about mercy. Take him away. No! We are going to die. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ship sails in the morning. I wonder what's for dinner. It's a jacked
0: Join your host, Cam Sully, each week as he chats with special guests
2: to discuss many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomena. Brother. Operation Kid Brother
0: is too much for one mother. Operation Kid Brother, aka 00007, aka OK Connery was released in 1967. When a double agent is killed before he could divulge the plans of the terrorist organization Thanatos, the British Secret Service enlists the brother of their. Unnamed top agent, Dr. Neil Connery has the knowledge of deep hypnosis that they need to unlock the information that the double agent planted in his fiancée, Miss Yoshuko's mind. Yoshuko also happens to be a patient of Dr. Connery's, having recently had plastic surgery to remove burn scars. When the fiancée is kidnapped while under the protection of the Secret Service, Commander Cunningham, played by Bernard Lee. And Miss Maxwell, played by Louise, Ma- uh, Louis- Louise Maxwell, <laughs> coerce or rather extort Doctor Connery's help in tracking her down. Connery uncovers a plot to steal an atomic nucleus to create a super magnet that will render most of the world's mechanical devices useless, magnetizing them so they are nothing but useless lumps of metal. Will Doctor Connery become another victim of the power mad Mister Thayer, played by Adolfo Celi? Or will he manage to convince Thayer's lovely henchwoman Maya, played by Daniela Bianchi, to help him foil the fiendish plot? As I've mentioned with a few names here, <laughs> the film's cast includes several actors from the Eon Productions James Bond film uh, series. From Russia with Love's Daniel Bianchi, uh, who played Tatiana Romanova. Ramanova. It's been too long since I've seen the film. I don't know how she pronounces it, how the character pronounced her name. Thunderball's Adolfo Seely, who played Emilio Largo. Uh, Anthony Dawson appeared in Dr. No. And of course, Bernard Lee was M and Luis Maxwell was, a gr- of course, the faithful money penny. Apparently, uh, Yasuku Yama, who plays uh, Yoshiko here, appeared as a bath girl in You Only Live Twice and this was indeed the subject of a 1990 season 5 episode of Mystery Science Theater and in that film it was du- it, the title of the film was Operation Double 007 so I'm guessing this is probably the first time any of us have seen this film unrift. Cameron what about you what's your history with this one
2: uh yeah I, I, I just went ahead and just went to the YouTube link and I really didn't notice too much different from the broadcast version that they had. I mean, there was like maybe one or three different, like, filler scenes and extensions for when more knows, especially the transition scenes, I guess, for when the episode went to commercial break initially. And it's definitely better looking if you watch, you know, the uncut version, while you know, when you watch the riff version, it's just a dial down, you know, less resolution. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. Tom, how about yourself? This was definitely a first time on Rift for you, wasn't it?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, and you have to thank mystery science theater for cutting this thing up. (laughs) Um, the parts that, the parts that are missing, um, I believe actually Crow makes fun of it at one point, or actually all three of them were making fun of, uh, There was the scene where they're trying to take uh, the woman, they're trying to lower her to the ambulance, and they are going step by bloody step (laughs) to to load her up, and that was what they showed. If you watch it
0: uncut, it's even longer. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, this thing I think runs like an hour and 40-some minutes. Hour 45.
2: Something like that, and the, the plot definitely kind of gets lost by the time you start seeing all the female fighters, you know, raiding the van, like you say. And it's just like, okay, I don't really know where this plot's going, but I'm just waiting for the next, you know, fight scene or espionage moment.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it does meander uh, quite a bit. Yeah, you mentioned it, Cameron. They The scenes that were cut before the MST, it was a lot of the, um, oh, just the... I think the the whole auction scene was excised. All all the scenes that showed Mr. Thayer as being sort of in his uh, duplicitous nature. You know, he was like an upstanding member of society. But then, of course, he was the uh, second in command of this Thanatos. And I think they even cut out a lot of his uh, plotting to kill the leader of Thanatos in the MST version as well. They
1: cut a bit of that. They cut the entire archery scene in which he meets... uh,
0: connery for the first time (laughs) oh right right but of course then they had to leave Uh, in the line later in the film when mr connery was like oh i had no idea you're such a fan of archery you're like what the hell are you talking about (laughs)
1: well and you also by cutting out that sequence you lose where all of a sudden the archery uh companions at the end of the movie during the climax are, are there. You have no idea why they're there or where they came from. Yeah, that's true. It also begs the question, because these are his archery buddies, and yet they were willing to sign up uh, for a thing that they didn't know anything about where they were going to die.
2: <laughs> right. The, the thing at the contract that said suicide mission, you know, in DA form. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, this whole movie is filled with lots of uh, questionable motivation for our characters. I uh, Cunningham, you know, M, effectively keeps blackmailing Connery into doing his uh, doing his work and threatening him f- with you know reactivation in the military and either does this mission or he gets reactivated then court-martialed was pretty much his options. It it makes you wonder. Does what, what's he got on James Bond? <laughs> if that's yeah, how they do exactly. business.
2: Yeah. This whole movie is like breaking the fourth wall at the time. It's like, because they're using, yeah, the aliases of the actors were implying that somehow unofficially set in the same universe as Bond and that he is like the actual brother of Connery slash 007. It's just like, okay, I, uh, did anyone... You know, was there a translation dubbing issue or was everyone involved with the film having too much fun? <laughs> it's
0: a, it, It'd be meta in, like, some uh, alternative universe.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> by, by this logic, uh, the 1967 Casino Royale might as well be part of the Bond canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: at, at least that one um, justifies the term parody. This one... I've seen online this particular movie referred to as a parody but I just feel like it's trying to take itself too seriously to be an actual parody. Right. And I I really want to sit down with the filmmakers and go what was the thought process by making by literally having the title character also the actor's name. <laughs>
2: Because, yeah, because it's like campy, but at the same time, there's not much intentional humor or anything else besides, like you say, the mission debriefing and him sneaking around and karate chopping people. So it's just like, uh, other than the names and the way some of the other actors the supporting, like the villain and the girls all over act, there's really nothing that, like you say, you could really put under the parody label. Although this gets even more awkward because you look at, uh, Neil Connery's resume and he's played like a parody of this character in other Italian productions so it's like, and oh, the movies God. he appeared in were also spoof films so it's like hmm this is kind of another alternate universe
0: <laughs> that's crazy I haven't seen uh, any other Neil Connery pictures so I, I had no idea and this is often regarded as a spoof and yeah you're right I don't see that as a spoof but yeah, I I, yeah, I don't know what this movie is. I don't know how to classify it. It truly acts like a a legitimate Euro spy trying to capitalize on the James Bond right. popularity. But then they throw in all these James Bond characters and all this wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, it's James Bond's brother, or it's you know it's Connery's brother, and uh, there's even that one line about uh, you know. He's gonna blow up the, the, the. There's this plot, and she's like, "Oh, you read too many of those Fleming novels." I'm like, "God, yeah, you're breaking my head with I, this."
1: <laughs> I know.
0: I was totally.
1: I, I about lost it. I had forgotten that, and watching the Mystery Science Theater one, and then when I saw it while I'm watching it uncut, I'm, I'm like, "How?" the nose really <laughs> going to keep going and i like it's not like you're being funny about it <laughs> no
2: yeah I, I don't know if it was so much the actors weren't given notes by the filmmakers or what is one of those I think they uh, I can definitely tell from uh, the act uh, Bernard Lee's face he's like he's so used to playing him he's like yeah it is what it is this is just a free vacation to Greece you know <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, Maxwell is kind of interesting, because she kind of, I don't know if I would say she holds the movie together, but she definitely kind of compliments the urgency, because literally all she's doing is just running in and telling Bond everything he needs to know. <laughs> Did they even hey. call him Bond? I don't remember. No, his his character's like, name was Connery. Yeah. Conner- yeah Neil like, Connery, like,
1: Dr. Connery. Dr. Neil Connery.
2: <laughs> like, geez, okay. Um...
0: <laughs> it it was cool seeing uh, Moneypenny running around with a machine gun.
2: Yeah, when is that going to happen? So I guess you could say, you wouldn't call this a parody, but it's definitely a sarcastic kind of movie.
0: Ooh, sarcastic, <laughs> and, maybe. I like that.
1: That's about as forgiving as I guess you could get.
2: <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, this is kind of like when you talk about Paul Verhoeven's movies, and it's like, well, some of that satire, had, you know... The Nail in the Coffin and the other stuff, yeah, no, I wouldn't call that satire, i just call that a bad movie, so it's just like (laughs) this this movie is just at least mindless enough and goes fast enough, other than the lesser moments that you mentioned, that you just kind of just forget about it, it's like yeah, this is definitely a party movie but this is kind of the movie you get out if you don't want to watch some of the lesser James Bond movies, and uh, (laughs) the far more unfathomably bad Euro-Spy knockoffs, so it's just like mm Well, I'm either gonna put up the this on riff movie here as a fun Easter egg for when people should have already left and it's two in the morning, or <laughs> if, like you say, it's like, well, this is a kind of an underrated MST 3 K episode. Yeah. Like, I'm one of those guys most people like the features and disaster movies. I was always kinda into the sword and sorcery fantasy and sandal kind of epics and definitely the hero spy stuff and it never those two genres never got talked about enough on the show because i don't know if the episodes only ran a few times due to movie rights issues or what but i just always had more fun with those (laughs) and the post-apocalyptic movies
0: (laughs) oh yeah sure well, I've been on a uh, Eurospy kick the last couple of weeks. I've just been in the mood, and I've been trying to dig up as many as I can and, and watching them, kind of working myself up to this one. And I've seen some great ones, but, uh, yeah, Cameron, like you said, there are some really bad ones too, and I've I've stumbled on a few of them as well. I think this one I'd <laughs> put, I put somewhere in the middle. I have to say, you know, despite that, yes, it is a little overlong, and you don't know how to classify it, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was bad. It was weird, but it was kind of fun in its own way.
1: It is is entertainingly weird. um, Because I'm going to throw this out here right for everyone. I need everybody's input right now. Here we go. (laughs) Tell me, what did radioactive rugs made by blind people have to
0: do with anything? I I can't answer.
2: It was a red, hair. <laughs> just
1: red it, hair. It took him to Munich. I don't know why. <laughs> Connery's a plastic surgeon. They made him an agent, and in five minutes, they gave him a machine gun and put him in the middle of a
2: firefight. What the hell? Yeah, it's like he. You wonder if the surgeon is just like a. Again, his cover, or if he literally is. <laughs> You know, did learn to come and And it's just like, because, like you say, he's doing all this stuff. It's like, it has nothing to do with stitching or doctor title or anything. <laughs> it's like, and then you throw it out in reading. It's like, you do wonder, is like, were the Italians just having too much fun and just not fact checking this back in the day? Or,
1: I, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them a just a hair of credit that, um, because Bond himself, was a member of the Royal Navy Navy, and that's how he got into MI6 or whatever um, they did kind of allude to some sort of military history for Connery like somehow he was in the military and that's how he got his medical license or whatever so that was a past thing so they're, re- they're re-engaging his services to Queen and Country
2: yeah. yeah, well, more or less I mean, like, say, I mean Unlike other knockoff movies It doesn't go to the bottom Of the barrel and just, like, still Scenes wholesale Or even take stock footage from other movies Like, they flat out just The archery and other Because it's so fast and it's creative with all the other nonsense You kind of just enjoy it Because, you know, other movies That have done this have either, like you said Just had so much dead space And not much going on or just showed no any kind of form of cinema, just because, like I say, they were trying to cash in on a better known international UK franchise. So it's like, yeah, it's like, it just goes fast. And hero spy films you can often find, surprisingly, on YouTube or some of those DVD Blu-ray packs, if not the website Rare Lust, which I also recommend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention that this movie, considering what it's doing, the whole weird meta Bond, not James Bond, brother stuff, you would expect something to be made kind of on the cheap. This was not a cheap film. This was like a full-blown production. I mean, going to locations, uh, big, expansive, multi-stage sets and, you know, the yachts and, and all this, I mean, this, a budget went into this. This was someone's actual, like, yeah. we're going to make a big movie. They they actually avoided using the
1: toy helicopter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's surprising. It's like, I guess you could say they just didn't want to bother paying that many effects artists. They just wanted to have just a fun, like, kind of the first Free Connery movies, just kind of just be more stealthy. <laughs>
1: Now, now for for another uh, little poser to you guys too. Um, Maya's character, she's she's essentially the female right hand of our baddie. Um, she is deep involved in um, everything the bad guy is doing, um, including uh, murder, uh, espionage, all of these things. And because, for whatever reason, I, I couldn't make any sense as to why he needed to kill the female crew. Um, but because he's decided to kill the female crew, she gets off, and so do all the rest of them, scot-free.
0: It's all good. Well, she, did, she didn't She did actually kill anybody. That's all I've got. <laughs> no, but...
2: You kind of get the sense that they were kind of brainwashed, because it kind of sounded like that was the whole reason they needed Neil to begin with, because he knew about mind control or something. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Uh, Who knows? Yeah, but that was Connery's department.
2: Yeah, so I guess they were working for the villain or turning against him. Yeah, it it does get very... (laughs) Uh, Logic goes out the window in that subplot, so it's just like... (laughs)
0: Yeah, there was, there's not a whole lot of logic that went into this film either. You know, Tom you're mentioning you couldn't figure out what the radioactive rugs had to do with anything. I couldn't he, this film opens with the whole uh, idea of um you know, oh, I I removed the scars from her face and I also used hypnosis. At no point do you actually find out how the hell his hypnosis actually helps him take, you know, plastic surgery and take scars off a woman's face. No. <laughs> But thanks for bringing it yeah, up. I don't
2: know if they actually about it. Yeah, or if they were just randomly using random titles and saying, oh, that's a smart person department, therefore it makes sense. It's like, no, it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> I made it make less sense. <laughs> uh, I, I
1: got another one. I got another one. Why, why did we make a carnivalote in the desert after
0: luring away the military guys? <laughs> That, yeah. was someone's, that was someone's <laughs> male fantasy. Nobody
2: was there. Couldn't you just take the damn truck? Right. I mean, James Bond in general is a male fantasy, but yeah, that part especially is out there. It's like, uh, so was this their new headquarters? What is this? <laughs> Are they circus freaks that have escaped and they're building their own playground in between <laughs> shooting and espionage and killing <laughs> off screen? Huh?
1: i was just so tickled because they were making such a big deal out of this and as they're driving away you're at least expecting may- maybe they pull into town in the middle of carnival and that's how they get away but we don't get that scene so it's just this this parade float going
2: down the highway for no reason yeah through the yeah. desert yeah it's <laughs> find any trivia on this movie but I do at three different times during it either verse of the movie kind of feel like maybe there was a firing of directors or something I don't know mm. that's really the only way I can think of why you would have an identity crisis with your own movie You know, <laughs> it started out as a parody slash now it's just acknowledging it's a rip off and now it's just like the only like you say comedy that remains is just just actors being named by their actual surname and <laughs> uh, just, again, all these actors that from the previous Fran- Bond franchise just playing roles that are basically the same as their iconic Bond roles. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would even be have any charm if it wasn't made in Italy on the cheap, uh, on the expensive and, you know, it would just if we made it if we made something like this again, it would just be a very bad, confusing mess of a movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the charm does come from its tie to Bond. I mean, with maybe it was just they had a plot. Yeah. that's like, wow, this really feels like a James Bond movie, and they went, you know what, go with that. <laughs> you know, they didn't. So that's where they didn't even try to hide it. Where all the others are pretending that they're not ripping off James Bond when everyone knows they're ripping off James Bond. These guys just went, no, let's embrace it.
2: Yeah. The, the tortoise actually came out of his shell on this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that
1: that's fairly apt. I mean, the, and that's what redeems this one. Uh, while it's not a true parody by any stretch, it, it is amusing that they're taking it seriously. Like this is a legit bond film and you're just seeing all the elements. So even if you can't appreciate it for all of its goofiness, it's fun to just sit there picking out the,
2: Ooh, I know that guy.
1: Ooh, that guy. (laughs) Hey, wait, they're playing the exact same thing. They always
0: do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've seen some reviewers claim Neil's kind of bland. In all fairness, he doesn't really ever have time to ever develop this character. So I think he just was like, I'm just here to, you know, do what basically Bond is considered, which is this handsome, serious guy. <laughs> Special sets of skills.
0: <laughs> it's a shame that know. he uh, he wasn't able to dub his own voice. Uh, the films at the time weren't filmed with live sound, so all the sound was recorded in afterwards yeah. well he was in the hospital with appendicitis or something during when they were doing all the uh the dubbing and so he couldn't do his own voice so they got an american actor to do his voice so you really don't i mean you can't really gauge what he was really doing in the film other than i guess your. i mean his facial expressions and his body language obviously but it would have been kind of nice to actually hear him uh give out the lines versus some american actor
2: yeah very much
0: i like your you're <laughs> calling it sarcastic uh it's just this odd you know embrace <laughs> the ripoff uh I, i've just been racking my brain trying to figure out how to classify this movie because it's just not any one thing and yeah being a uh maybe maybe you're right maybe it was just a matter of it started out as something else, and then someone else got a hold of it and said, no, we're not going to do that. Let's do this. And it it just became this sort of mishmash of ideas, and usually something like that comes out, and it's absolutely unwatchable. This one still manages to become not too bad. I I wish it wasn't an hour and 45 minutes or hour and 50 minutes long, because that's a little bit, that's a long time to invest in it. You almost kind of wish you could just take the MST version and just cut out the MST bits. That's the movie that would really work well.
2: Right. It does make you wonder how many other versions of this movie are out there on, like, foreign Blu-rays or DVDs, and like you say, I mean... Whatever print they got, it's a totally different print than, you know, the one you can generally find on these streamings. So it's like, you know, just from the title cards and everything. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely some kind of action movie. And like you say, it's not unbearable to where there's too many cooks in the kitchen. But at the same time, it's like you you got it. It's kind of more of a Sunday movie, goofy movie, as opposed to, you know, a Friday or Saturday movie, which plenty I mean, of infamous spy movies that we've all seen in fought at, like Jim Cotta, Ballistic X vs. Sever. This is definitely not anywhere near something fun or over-the-top like The Art of War with Wesley Snipes or Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but this is still... I mean... G- 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 you're still going to probably want to watch a good or a bad James Bond movie on a Friday or Saturday versus this one. You know, it's like, this is on Sunday.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, this yeah, is on I, Sunday afternoon I, while you're cleaning.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whether during uh, or after cleaning, and, yeah, just put it on.
0: I, I think it was well
1: said, though, during Mystery Science Theater uh, when they're running the opening credits and. and uh, Crow mentioned something when there are four writers on the screenplay, you know, there's going to be trouble.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, They they make fun of the magnet at the very end, unexpectedly. I'm like, okay, I didn't expect the the olive crow, you know, (laughs) he and Servo just attached to the wall.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. uh, I, I had forgotten about the, the, the Forrester skit at the end where he's using his, his, metallic death ray thing and he's got him trapped against the wall.
2: Right and he, they make fun of Connery's mind powers so what can he do and there's a lot of utter innuendo throughout the episode but it's even is how like, it doesn't matter what Frank does, uh, Dr. Forrester just can't control him no matter what he's employing but he can <laughs> control everybody else and at the end of the day he still has to press the button before him <laughs>
0: I think my uh, my yeah. favorite bit on the MST was uh their uh, their little uh play on the uh the opening bit with uh I was going to call him largo uh Thayer whatever his name was <laughs>
2: Time for my daily back rub. Who's going to do the honors? Uh, Joel, none of us have working arms. I know. He does a lot of that. He says another common signature line, like, I, I know. Yeah, he does do the I know, that's why. And I, I think in other episodes he says, that's why I'm going to kill you last or something. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he, it, uh, he even is more hurt by the movie to where it's like he starts is like Pro is making jokes and he just tells him to just shove it, <laughs> just stop.
1: Uh, okay, since Chris brought up uh, the uh, the opening sequence and it and, and mentioned the gold robe, we 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 have to talk about what the hell was that outfit during the party? Gold muumu? <laughs> yeah. Everybody else is there in suits.
2: What's his deal? <laughs> hey, uh, uh, uh,
0: you're Mr. Thayer, playing,
2: diplomat. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I, they just figured. I, but but see, that's what's head.
1: <laughs> that's what's truly fun about this film. Uh, I like. No, it, it, it's not good. Um, it's entertaining because the chaotic things that come up, the oddities that come up. You can't help but be amused watching it. You're just like, what What the hell is that? Why is that there? It
2: is like, and I don't know. It just goes so fast. And then, yeah, when you die, it it, it does kind of feel like a lesser, if it were any bigger a budget with better, bigger stars, you would still realize, yeah, this is every other junky blockbuster movie where it's like, yeah, when you start to think about it, nothing here actually adds at all in this movie, James Bond or not. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, I I doubt they could have even made it the same way that they did back there. (laughs) By the time you get to the 70s or 80s, they would have wanted some kind of clarification of what was going on.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, What I think is funny, though, is we've all said that this film is just ridiculous and none of us really know... What it really is, but all th- I think all three of us still walked away with it, kind of enjoying watching it.
2: Yeah, I think on a ten star scale, you're going to definitely give it at least a six, as opposed to the two or 3 star ratings on some sites. It's like, oh my god, it's not that bad. Yeah,
1: no, yeah, it's no. no by any stretch, it's not unwatchable. Uh, it it yeah. it's amusing for exactly what it is, which is this peculiar oddity that just is in your face about the fact that it's a ripoff.
2: Even if I... you're not the most, you might give it more of a four or a five, you know, it's like when you say a two or three, that just means the movie's lifeless. It's incompetent in every area. And it's like, well, like you're saying, it's like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work at all for a movie, but at the same time, it's taking you on some kind of wild adventure. And it's just like, well, okay, camp or not, this is just a goofy movie. And it's, had some kind of soul. I don't. I can't say it's got a heart, but definitely got some kind of living embodiment in it.
0: <laughs> I think. Um, I think I still prefer Danger Death Ray. <laughs> as oh, far yeah. as the, yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, this is a, probably a close second right now.
2: What do you think about uh, Danger Diabolic or uh, Su- Secret Agent Super Dragon?
0: Uh, you know, both yeah. of those are ones I need to actually see unrift. Right, yeah. I haven't seen either of those
1: uh, without the uh, Mystery Science Theater riffing.
2: Yeah, right. Diabolic was easy to come by on DVD, I noticed. But yeah, I don't know where I would find Super Egg Secret Dragon unless it's on one of the sites we mentioned at the start. So right. I'll be on the look and see what I can do.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you... Uh, dig that up on youtube there's so many like you mentioned there's so many of these Eurospy films on youtube but that of course unfortunately is also you know that's on youtube so the quality is varying there's a, been a couple that i started that i thought oh this plot sounds interesting and i like this actor but then the print and the audio was just so bad i'm like i i can't i can't watch this <laughs>
2: Yeah, there are annoying ones like that where it's like, okay, someone didn't set their tracking on their VHS recorder or, you know, like you say. It's like, I don't know if I have the best picture quality of the movie or not. Right. <laughs> and so I can say if it's well shot because I don't know.
0: <laughs> I think I've seen that uh, Danger Diabolic floating around somewhere on some streaming service or on YouTube. So I, I know that one's out there.
2: I think it was distributed by like Universal or somebody in the states at one point, and so that's why they were able to get it on final episode. But I don't know; I have to look it up.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: Cameron. I think your homework from all of this is to find the uh, three hour, <laughs> the three hour unedited Criterion cut
2: of Okay
1: Connery, <laughs> so that we get the definitive answer on why. Uh, radioactive rugs made by blind guys. (laughs)
2: Perfect. (laughs) Or at least just something with what was going through the director's mind. There's got to be something on a City site that has somebody interviewing Italian filmmakers, and one of these guys was on a talk show.
0: That was was a subplot that uh, a page got pulled from the script at some point.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, The investor said, pull it out, pull me one. This isn't a James Bond <laughs> that I'm financing for you. You tricked me.
1: <laughs> that that sequence though did have one of the more amusing moments where where our hero there, Neil Connery, is, is he's in, in his little hooded uh, thing, acting like a blind guy, and he's doing it right in front of Thayer, who 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 has met the man, and just because he's screaming in Arabic and he's got some tan makeup on him that's supposed to be enough to disguise him. I actually applauded the fact that the bad guy knew exactly who that was.
2: Right. It's just like back then it's just like it just shows you basically throughout the 40s to 70s is like total disregard for anyone's ethnicity is like yeah, <laughs> no, that's not how an or looks, but I nice try not <laughs> I had
0: no idea Morocco had such a problem with uh, blind beggars. That, yeah, I know they be, pulled out a lot of them. Yeah, lead you in know, the water or something.
2: Pretty much. It even makes you want to look at all the other Bond movies that actually do feature some kind of death by arrow sequence or Morocco set location at one point that Bond visits in the middle of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, uh, how many of these guys. Uh, it makes you wonder how many Bond filmmakers actually watched some of their rip-offs and incorporated that into their future installments and how many of them were like, oh, oh this is something else.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, I just had the thought, there had to have been extras that work on films like this one mm-hmm. who actually were in Bond <laughs> films too. <laughs>
2: oh, absolutely. Had to. Um, especially the newer Bond movies. They, You look at their... The average extra, stunt person, film crew, or co-director, and almost all of them have worked on something similar, like Born Identity, Expendables, and you know, Dark Knight Rises. You know, so it's just like, yeah. I mean, they're they're using a lot of the same kind of international crewmen who can yep. do a good job on any kind of production for any kind of budget.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as you are paid, don't care. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do not care. My soul was sold years ago. Feed <laughs> <Just beat> me. <laughs> oh.
0: Well, when you see the uh, when you see uh, Thanatos men, you know, paying the kids as they send off their their blind dads to work in the uh, radioactive uh, thing. <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm I'm guessing the actual production team probably didn't look all that all that different. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm just going to paint you and send you off. That's how we're going to keep track of you. You're a number in the system. Yeah. <laughs> Out in your head.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, this one is available on YouTube, so it is easy to find if anyone wants to watch it on Rift. I, you know, I'd recommend it. It is just an enjoyable, just if you got an afternoon free, just uh, plug it in and, uh, and give it a watch, especially if you're a James Bond fan. This would a, be a great one for just, it's a, like a James Bond supplemental.
2: Absolutely. I I I don't think enough Bond fans have seen it. I tried picking a few people's mind on a Wikipedia where we were I was editing a section uh for Bond, you know, rip offs and parodies. Uh, you know, and I was updating the section to include Kingsmen, you know, and other Austin Powers type movies and yeah, I was topic like their opinions been you're like, Oh, okay, connery Slash, okay, Kid Brother, oh that's awful movie it's like no hardly <laughs> some far worse bond mock ups
1: yeah no if you're if you're a Connery bond fan you should at least add this as your um see where how the love spreads whether or not it was actually intended that way <laughs>
2: pretty much some movies you just can't help it it's like well whatever it was it's some kind of entertaining even though it's not hitting all the marks and When you do these kind of retrospects on these kinds of movies, I think in today's world more people are gonna like it because they either are used to seeing all different kinds of spy movies or they're used to seeing even spy parodies like in like Flint or even the show Archer. (laughs) Can't help but kinda say, Yeah, well (laughs) it's a wacky two AM movie. Yeah. Whether it's on Adult Swim or not, doesn't matter. I'll watch it.
0: Well, awesome. Well, Cameron, thank you very much for joining us and, uh, and watching too. the film and uh, and talking with us. This was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, this was dynamite, sir. Thank you so much. Because, I mean, we're seeing kind of just the love of some of these goofy movies, Rift on Rift. And, uh, you know, like I say, some of those movies are just so damaging when you watch them on the show. And it's just like, yeah, no, there's just nothing, no way you're going to change my opinion on it. And then there's others where it's like, well... It's goofier on this rewatch. I might as well just watch it on cut just to say I did see it. <laughs> right. Analyze it
0: yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, we will have to have you back on again someday and we'll we'll try to make it on a day where you're not you're, s- you're not stuck at work so you can
2: uh, Absolutely and likewise when if you're just feeling the need to talk about a certain subject, let's dial it up. I'll be on here.
0: <laughs> All right, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, well, that'll do it for this episode. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another made-for-TV movie, uh, I believe. Uh, We haven't discussed. We haven't figured out what we're going to watch yet, but we'll we'll come up with something. There's still lots to choose from. So, uh, Cameron. (laughs) It was made for TV. (laughs) No. So, Cameron, do is there a uh, like I said? I'll put a, a a link in the show notes so everyone can find your podcast. I recommend everyone go check that out. Um, with that, I guess we'll just go ahead and uh, say goodbye. And, and thanks very much for listening. So, uh, see you, everybody. Absolutely. See you.